be honest with you, this week I was trying to um, work on a different sermon. And the sermon that I was going to try to bring to you, and it may come next Sunday, is it, it was called a double portion. And it was when, when Elisha was asking Elijah for a double portion of, of his spirit. So I was, I was working hard and I had studied and it just wasn't coming together. I said, okay, Lord, if it's not coming together, then you're wanting me to put it aside. And so I've been praying about what we're doing, where we're at, and the times that we're in. And the Lord reminded me of Jonah. How many of you remember Jonah's account? Okay, how many of you have been to the VeggieTales Jonah's account? Okay, and so uh, let me tell you this. And, and if, I, if I slip by saying story, um, everything in the Bible is not a story unless it was a parable. Does that make sense to you? So a lot of times we might say in children's church or growing up and say, let me tell you this story. And a lot of times when people say, I'm going to tell you a story, what does it mean? It's not real. But I'm, I'm bringing to you a biblical account of something that really happened. So I'm giving you, a, a, not a story, but something that really happened. So in, in Jonah chapter 1, I have a couple of the notes here. Jonah, let's read this first. Jonah 4.11, let's read this first. But, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about the great city? Before we read Jonah 1, God was calling Jonah to go preach the good news to the people of Nineveh. And, he, and God said to, to Jonah, the people of Nineveh couldn't even tell their right from their left. Does that sound familiar today? They couldn't even tell what was right and what was wrong. They were calling wrong right and, and right wrong. And so, and of course, and as many cattle. I mean, they couldn't even tell cattle apart, I guess. I don't know. But he says, I'm concerned for these people. And then if you go to Jonah then 1, verses 1 through 3, Jonah 1, 1 through 3, it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, listen to this, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. There he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So here it is, God calls Jonah. He says, Jonah, go, and talk, go to the Ninevites and tell them that their city has, has come up before me and it is wicked and they must repent. What does Jonah do? He obeys God, right? The first chance he gets, he goes the opposite way gets on a ship and goes to Tarshish and says, I'm, I'm out of here. And you've got to know a little bit that, that the children of Israel and, and, and the Ninevites were not real friendly people. They didn't like each other. And we, and we see that. And he, said, and he said, those are wicked people. Those are sinners. I cannot hang out with sinners. You're going to get the story here in a second. So he runs the opposite way. Of course, you know, you know the account. God gets a hold of him. He prepares a fish. He's in the belly of this fish for three days. We'll talk a bit more about that. He gets vomited back up on the shore. He runs and gets to the city. He preaches the good news. The city repents. And then he has a bad attitude. And so uh, God is a God of love. Amen? So think about this. We live, within, we live within the D.C. metro area, right? Are there lots of people here? Is there a lot of traffic? Is there a lot of good people and bad people? A lot of confused people? Did you know that nearly 5 million people live within this region? And as you know, I talk about it, even within a 10-mile radius of this building, there's almost a million people. Did you know that God is concerned for every one of these people that's in this area? Even for the politicians, He's concerned for them. He's concerned for you, your neighbor, your classmates, your boss, your, your co-workers. Yet all these people that we, we live with, we feel crowded, we, we feel displaced, 
And there are more and more people coming. There's more problems. There's differing political ideas. There's different political uh, uh, faith views and all that. And D.C. proper has a high crime rate. And there's all kinds of weird stuff that happens in, in this area at times. But did you know that God is concerned for all these people? He has sent you. We prayed about it this morning. Patricia was from hearing from the Lord this morning in our prayer time before service. God has called you where you live, where you work, where you go to school to be a light to this community. Did you know that? I know. I mean, going, I mean, it, it, sometimes this week it took me a long time to get from my little house in Urbana down here. And, and I, I, I was like, it was close to 10 o'clock by the time I got to the office. And thinking, my goodness, what took so long? You know, all these crazy people, traffic, rain and all that. And then the Lord reminds me, you're here because of these people. And when you're on the metro, when you're on the airplane, when you're crowded on the bus, when you're crowded on the, on the, 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 the freeways, remember, you're here for these people. Amen? Don't hate them. Don't despise them. Don't, don't get an attitude. Amen? Because He's called you and I to go and preach the good news of Jesus Christ to them because some of them don't know the right from the left. They don't know wrong from right. Right? Correct? So the first thing on your notes is this. It says, Go to the great city. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Again, here in the midst of, of a five-mile radius, you hear this a lot, in a five-mile radius of this building is almost 300,000 people. That's a lot of people, right? I mean, some of you, that, maybe from where you're from, that, that, that's like, that's, that's like a, the, more than my country. That's more than the state I grew up in or wherever I'm at. And you see, we, and I've already said this, we are called to these people. Say, I am called to these people. Whether you vote like them, whether they look like you, whether they act like you, whether they like you or not, you are called to your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, where you commute. Matthew 28, 19-20, you know this. Therefore, go and make disciples of how many nations? All nations. What does all mean? This means what? Everybody. What, whoever they are, everyone, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this is, and God says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, surely I'm with you. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh to call it to repentance. The Spirit is calling believers to go to your workplaces, your homes, your neighborhoods, your communities. But we're running out of time and we're running from them. And we can't do that anymore, amen? Look, we need to fill this, these pews up. We got spots. Amen? We need to build another building. We need to fill this building up and have three or ten services a weekend so people come to know Jesus. Amen? You see, there are great moves of the Spirit and it's only happening to churches that are going out and reaching people and discipling people and about the Father's business. And so we want to be blessed. We want, we want all this stuff. And God says, go and do and I will bring my presence. Amen? So number two, it says preach. God says to him, go, go to the great city and preach against it. It's very interesting because the, the, the Hebrew word for preach is kara, and the Greek word for, for preaching is karuso. So the, it, it's kind of interesting. I just looked at that. So those are very similar. And it means to proclaim. It means to call people to God. And so you don't have to necessarily get up on your, your desk at, at the work or the cubicle or get up and stand up in the, in the, on the, the metro, and, but you need to just say, God loves you. And say, God, give me opportunities to present the gospel. We talked about this at the board meeting. I'm challenging you and I and the board that you, that you and I say, God, help, us to, help me to lead one person to the Lord this year and make a disciple of that person. One person. 
Every day there is an opportunity that God gives you to speak life into your coworker, your family, your friend, your neighbor. Uh, amen? But we're so busy. And so I'm asking you, say, God, in, in this, let me see that I can proclaim the good news. I don't need to tell you how far this region is getting away from God. I mean, in the state of Maryland, they're talking now of, 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 of legalizing cannabis. Herbis cannabis. Some of you are like, oh, cool, man. Ganja, right. And so what ganja does, or marijuana does, it's an, it's an entry-level drug. It causes... Now, some of you may I don't know it's not, but you see what's happening is all the morals in this state, we've already passed gay marriage, which I'm not against people, but it's against God's Word. And so there, our area is very... They don't know the right from the left. They don't know right, wrong from right. And it is coming up to God's eyes. He sees it. He says, I've got to call these people to me. I don't want to judge them yet. I don't want to bring judgment. I want to bring salvation. So instead of us, you and I, cursing them and hiding from them, we must go to them with the good news. Amen? Well, pastor, they're not going to believe me. How do you know unless you go? Well, they hate me. How do you know unless you befriend them and are kind to them? Share good news to them. Amen? You don't have to be combative all the time. You can share them with the love of Christ by being the light of Christ. Amen? So number two, three is running away. Jonah one thirty three. Jonah 1.33 says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah ran away from his call. He was fleeing from the Lord. I believe many churches are fleeing from the biggest call that God calls us to. It's Matthew 28.18. Go where? Into what? All nations. But pastor, I'm busy. i got a job. i got kids. i got school. And that doesn't matter. God has called you where you're at to be a light. Amen? Come on, I'm preaching for God today. This is not for you and I to get rich and have, have, be feeling good all the time. It's about us going out and reaching people so they can be rich and feel good as well. Besides you. Amen? God cares for every person. Amen? And so we run away. How do we run away? We run away because we're busy. It's very clear. I mean, everyone, how many of you are busy? How many of you wish there were less things to do sometimes? We're running from God, using our busyness. You don't have to be as busy as you are. You can say no. Amen? I have a hard time saying no. I'm getting much better at it. But, so, Pastor, you do this. No, I can't. I've already got 50 things when I cannot add another thing to my plate. You can say no. And say, God, help me to focus and let me be a light. While I'm busy, while I'm at work, while I'm at school, while I'm doing whatever, let me be a light to those around me. Amen? Let me give you my account of being busy. As, as you know, we lived in Utah for seven and a half years and, and we love Mormon people. And, and, and I know people are listening on the internet and maybe some of you came from Mormon background. Mormons are not Christians because they believe in other gods. They believe in more than Jesus Christ. They believe that God the Father, God the Son, and Satan are three separate gods. And they believe that they themselves will become gods. I'm not. I'm now. Now I probably just discounted. My Mormon friends that are listening. I love you, but Jesus says I am the way, the truth, and light. No man comes to the Father except through me. So I've been running in these Mormon missionaries everywhere I go. Okay, at, at the store, I'm shopping, and I'm on my bike. And, the, and a couple weeks ago, I was riding my bike because I, I take riding, riding my bike very serious as a time for me to exercise and to de-stress. And so I, I've seen them two times on my bike. I was like, Lord, I don't have time. I'm busy. I've got to take care of myself. 
So I've seen him. And then finally, last week, I saw him again, but this time I wasn't on my bike. I was walking my dog. I said, all right, Lord. Cool. So I said, hey, elders, how are you doing? And they're like, stop. They come around. And I struck up a conversation with them. And they said, hey, can we come to your house? I said, absolutely. Here's the best time. God presented an opportunity when I was not busy, and I said, I'm open. You see what I'm saying? If you say, God, yes, I'm busy, but Lord, let me be open to the opportunities that you're sharing with me. You see what I'm saying? Don't run from God for being so busy for God that we forget about sharing the good news to those around us. I guarantee you, you ask God for opportunities, they're going to be, they're going to happen. Oh, I don't want to be overwhelmed. Hey, let God work through them. Do you remember the account where Philip was, was, was going along the road and, and the Ethiopian eunuch came along and, and the Lord said, go to the eunuch. The eunuch was reading the book of Isaiah and Philip led him to the Lord. He didn't have to do anything. He just showed up. Opportunity. You don't have to always go out. Just open your eyes to your coworkers, your family, your friends. Amen? To the missionaries on the streets, the people that you see. Be, be open to them. Amen? Come on, amen? Really quiet in here right now. Don't run with your business. Number four, storm of disobedience. The storm of disobedience. Look what happened. We know the story. We know the account. But let me read to you Jonah 1, 4 through 6. When Jonah got on the boat, it says, Then, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened, threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But check this out. But Jonah had gone down below the deck where he lay, he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Can, can you believe that? Jonah went to sleep, but more importantly, he soon found that he could not outrun God. Right? God brought a great storm against the ship that Jonah was in. And you see, sometimes, listen to what I'm going to say, because I know God loves us and, and God doesn't always send evil and doesn't send evil on us, but, but listen to this. Sometimes in storms in the life are not just because we live in a world that's full of sin. Sometimes the storms are not from God to strengthen us, but sometimes the storms come because of our disobedience. Do you understand that? We live in a sinful world, so we're going we're gonna to face the storms of the world. Then God allows a storm in our life to build our faith. And then, because of our disobedience, sometimes the storms of life come. It's not that God wants it, but it's because we're disobeying God. How do I know? Matthew, or Deuteronomy 28, 15-19 says this, However, if you do not obey the Lord your God, and you do not carefully follow all commands and degrees I'm giving you today... All these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city, cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, you will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. You see, there is obedience and there's disobedience. And disobedience in itself brings curses, storms. We can't blame the devil for everything. I'm not saying that you're always living in disobedience, but I am saying disobedience brings storms. Maybe, and you've got to know God's voice because not all storms are from Him, not all storms are from the enemy, but some of the storms are because of our disobedience. And that's why we need to be listening. And let me tell you the fastest way to get out of a storm. Say, Lord, I'm sorry, I want to obey, and then take a step in obedience. Do you understand what I'm saying? So maybe there's some issues in your life right now because you're disobeying Him. 
I know I preach a good God and, and God wants to bless you, but God can only bless you when you obey Him. God, I mean, what right parent would bless and honor a child who's in constant disobedience? What right God would do the same when we disobey Him? And He wants to bless us, but He says, I can't bless you because you're in disobedience. God is a God of truth, love, and righteousness as well. Amen? So Jonah ran into a storm because of his disobedience. And maybe things are going wrong in our lives because we're disobeying God. And you see, believers, I've already said this, cannot expect God to bless us specifically when we keep disobeying the Great Commission. Amen? This church can no longer keep dismissing the Great Commission. This church, each of us, must say, God, help us to win people to the kingdom. Amen? We want to fix the building up so we can bring more people in. We want you to give so we can be about going out. But you also must go out. Amen? This church can no longer dismiss this. This is not a, an option. This is a command from the Lord. Amen? Number six, let me get on. Get up, get up, call on your God. Jonah 1.6, the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up, call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. The heathens were having a prayer meeting. Can you believe that? Here the, the godly person is sleeping in the bottom of the boat and the heathens are calling out. They're having a prayer meeting. Isn't this sad? <laughs> this is sad. How could a person do such a thing in a, such a violent storm? But yet this happens every day in local churches. We are asleep in our nice air conditioning buildings with our wonderful worship. And I, I know, I'm not trying to be mean, but yet while the world is being thrown around by the storms. And we're in the comfort of the palace. We're in the comfort and we're enjoying nice messages and nice worship and, and, and all that stuff. But yet in the, in, around us the people are in a storm. And we're asleep to it. And God says that cannot be anymore, amen? We can no longer be happy that your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, your families are, are in a boat of destruction. It can't be anymore, amen? Come on, church, we must wake up. We cannot retreat to the safety of our churches because we don't want to deal with the lost. Well, they don't vote like us. They don't look like us. They don't smell like us. They don't act like us. God loves all of them. Amen? How long are we going to sit in our nice churches and, and ignore those drowning, having, having calling out? They're calling out on God. The unchurched are calling out. And it's sad, and I'm not trying to be mean, but sad, the, the least attended meeting of the church is the prayer meetings. The least attended thing is, is the prayer meetings. We're sleeping, and then we... The world's calling out on God, and, and even though they may look on their face like they're not calling on God, they're calling on God. Behind that face, behind that ni nice-looking clothes and house and that nice-looking car, there are people that you know that are not Christians. They are calling out for God. They are looking for a truth. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for something to live in besides this empty world. And they're calling on God, but yet we're sleeping, yet we're hiding, and we're in the comfort. And, we're, and, and we, it's like, well, I don't have time to pray for them. i, I got other stuff going on. You have to pray for them. You have to reach out to them. Amen. Did I skip through one? 
4, the storms of disobedience. 5, falling asleep while the world perishes. Falling asleep while the world perishes. Number 5. Number 6 is get up. Because I'm so excited about this message. Get up, calling your God. And I want, I want to go back to this getting up and calling your God. In Acts 4.31, it says, it says the church prayed. After they prayed, they were told not to preach the gospel. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God boldly. Can you imagine if we started praying like this? That we prayed that the place would be shaken. And that we would go out. In fact, a couple of years ago, Pastor, Pastor David Mohan, he, he is the, uh, the superintendent of the Assemblies of God in India. And he, and he rebuked a bunch of us pastors where we were sitting at a district council meeting. And he said, you know what? The churches in America are powerless because the people come to be entertained by the worship and preaching, but they don't pray. In fact, in his church, and he's got one of the largest churches in India, in his church they pray, they have a prayer meeting at 5.30 every morning. It reminded me of my mom in her Korean church. She'd get up at 3 or 4 in the morning and go to her church and they would pray. And so, I know some of us get up and go to work, but how many of us are willing to spend some time in prayer? Amen? It's really quiet right now. You're not jumping, you're not shouting, you're not going, this is good preaching, though. No, this is great preaching. We need to unite in prayer. Find someone. Pray with them. It doesn't have to be at 5.30. It can be at 6 o'clock at night. It can be 7 o'clock. You can come here. You can meet at a coffee shop. You can go to someone's house. You can pray anywhere. Amen? Remember Jesus said, where two or three gather my name, I am what? In the midst of them. So find two or three people and begin to pray. God, would you pour out your spirit in our church? Father, would you help us to start reaching our families, our friends, our coworkers? Would you help us begin to reach out? And you begin to call on God like that. He's going to answer. Amen? Come on, church. We must begin to pray so that the place is shaken. In fact, Pastor David Mohan began to say his church sees thousands of people coming to know Jesus. They're planning new churches. They're sending new churches out. In fact, they've been starting a lot of new churches in northern India where, it, where there are not a lot of Christian churches. Can you imagine? How many of you know that this area needs more Christian churches? That's why you're here. You're here to help me to plant churches in this area. I got you, didn't I? You're like, oh, Yes. You're to help us by praying, by going, by giving, by, by sending, by, by reaching people. Because the more people we win to the Lord, the more churches we have to plant. And there's almost 300,000 people within a five-mile race of the building. And of a 10-mile race, there's almost a million people. Do you know all those million people know Jesus? They don't. Less than 1%. I was so impressed. I met a, a, a pastor from Fiji. We have some Fijian families here. God bless you. And I met a pastor from Fiji, and he said their church, they, their, their goal was to preach the gospel to every home in Fiji. There's 900,000 people in Fiji about, about. He said it was their goal, and it was an impossible goal. But they have been, since then, they have gone to their islands, and they've preached the gospel, they say, in every home, three times. Can you imagine if we took that serious here, that we said we want to preach the gospel at least one time to everyone in a five-mile race of life? Well, we can't do it. God can do anything if we believe Him for it. If we unite with the other churches and we begin to go to every house and we're going to present the gospel to you one way or the other. We're going to, send, we're going to do it. And imagine if we did it three times. Because the Bible, when the Bible is preached, people come to know Jesus. When we sit in a building, they don't come to know Jesus as much. Amen? We have to go. Amen? Why don't we make that our prayer? Father, it's a bold prayer. But let us stop just waiting on people to come. Let us go. 
Help us to preach the gospel, to start in the five-mile radius of this building to every person who, who lives in the five-mile radius of this building. Help us to do it in, in our workplaces, in our schools, our neighborhoods, Lord, where, wherever we live, in Jesus' name. Amen? What would happen if we would took prayer so serious? Amen? Number seven, the big fish. The big fish. Now, I know we all grow up thinking it's a whale. The Bible just calls it a great fish. Jonah 1.17, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. Can you imagine? In the belly of a fish for three days. You talk about sushi, right? It is in its rawest, gross form with a digestive stuff of the fish. He, he's in the belly of this fish for three days. God prepares this fish because God wants him to open his eyes. This fish was prepared so Jonah would call out on God. And, and oftentimes, and this, I cannot shake this, but when I come into the sanctuary, when I'm driving, when I'm out to the places that I pray, and I'm praying over you, and I'm praying over this church, and I'm praying over this community, there's this constant heaviness and darkness that comes over me. And God keeps showing me these people are in constant heaviness and darkness in this area, and it's like that big fish. And it's swallowed us up. And we're encapsulated in this, and you know the only way it's going to break is when we call on God. And we speak to him. In fact, I was in here Friday and I was praying and I could not get going praying. And I was like, I did. I started feeling tired and weary. And I was like, the Lord just spoke to speak against that. I got up and I said, I rebuked that. And then I had a powerful prayer meeting. And you see, there's this heaviness this world puts on us. The gunk, the goo, it stinks. But God can break that when we call on the name of the Lord. You see, Jonah called out to God. He called out in the belly of this fish. In fact, the scripture says this, Jonah 2, 7-9, when my life was ebbing away. He wrote a praise song in there. Can you imagine that? I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that, that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. So instead of him being consumed by the heaviness, he calls out on God. Instead of you being consumed by the heaviness of the world and your job, call out on God. Amen? Thank him for calling you where you're at. Amen? I know, listen, I know lots of people that come and go to this area and they hate this area. And Olivia and I have this discussion. When people come to us and they say, I hate it here, man. We say, we love it here. The price, the cost of living, we don't like that. And the crazy politics and all that, we, that's not always exciting, but we love being here because what an opportunity to share the gospel. We don't have to go to a foreign mission field. They're coming here every day. You can go to a foreign mission field. We, I would love for you to do that, but everybody's coming to this nation. Whether you like this area or not, some of, some of us, you've been here longer than I and you've seen it from become farmlands to becoming like a, almost a metro area. You're here to help us reach these people. Amen? Let's praise Him where we're at. Amen? Instead of griping, let's praise Him. Amen? I'm going to move on. When was the last time you really called out to God for deliverance? I mean, you got on your face and said, God, I need you to deliver me from this. Or when's the last time you had a Thanksgiving prayer meeting? When's the last time you got on your face and you said, Thank you, Lord, for everything? 
Thank you for the difficulties. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for allowing me to be in a place where people don't know right from wrong. And I can be a light to them. Amen? Number eight, obedience brings results. Obedience brings results. Jonah 3. Jonah 3. It's kind of hard to read, but I'm going to read it to you. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites, listen to this, they believed God, they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. The first thing you want to notice in the scripture, God is a God of second chances. It says here, the Lord came to him a second time. God is calling you now. Hey, I'm speaking to you now. Now's the time. God is a God of grace, amen? It's time now. You've been busy, you have all this stuff going on. Now it's time to go. Go into the city. Go to these great people. Then it says... Jonah goes out, he obeys, he preaches, and wow, the city repents. The whole city. That's great, Pastor. What's for lunch? Seriously. Can you imagine if this whole county came to know Jesus? It's never going to happen. With thoughts like that, no, but with faith in God, like Jonah the second time, yes, it can. We can see all of Montgomery County, all the D.C. Imagine if five million people came to know Jesus. Oh, it's impossible. No, it's not. Reinhard Bonnke is preaching in parts of Africa where they've seen in his, his outreaches at least a million people sometimes a night coming to know Jesus. Can you imagine if that happens here? What if we filled, we filled FedEx Stadium and, and where the Capitals play and all the sporting events and they preached the gospel and, and in droves people got saved? Come on, amen? When we obey and we preach the gospel, things happen. John fifteen sixteen says this, But you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. You see, God has called us. He's called, He's commissioned every one of you to bear fruit. What is that fruit? Fruit means reaching people who reach more people. God is calling you, and here's your challenge. This isn't for me, this is from the Lord. I believe it's from the Lord. That you're to pray, God help me to lead one person to the Lord this year and make a disciple of that person. And then start all over next year. That is your call from God. Can you imagine if our church of about 130, 150 people, every one of us reached one person, what would happen to our church immediately? Come on, we would double. And then if we just continue to do that, we'd have to plant new churches. We'd have to build a new building. Well, I don't want to. No, God wants to though. Because He wants to see these people come to know Jesus. Amen? We must proclaim. In fact, how, does it, how do they know Jesus? Thank God for radio and TV and satellite. Thank God for all that. But God sends people most importantly. Romans 10, 13. For everyone, listen... Everyone who calls in the Lord, name of the Lord will be saved. Who? What does it say? Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord. Verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without what? Someone 
preaching to them. How can we preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. They are waiting for you and I to preach good news to them. To be good news to them. To be a light for those opportunities. Amen? I have another opportunity. He's my neighbor. I'm not going to mention his name, but there's a neighbor behind me. He's going through... The last six months have been horrible on him. He's lost his dad. He's lost a nephew. His sister is in the hospital uh, having some uh, medical issues. Uh, his, one of his sisters is getting divorced. And, he, and he's just had lots of stuff. And I said, Tony, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. I've shared the good news. I just gave his name. Sorry. Bob. Uh, Frank. Whatever. Tony. He, maybe he's listening. So I said, I'm here for you, man. I love you. And I've had to God, be able to share the gospel with him a little bit. And I'm, I'm saying, God, just let me speak when you want me to speak. Because I can't help it, man. I love to tell the truth. Your neighbor maybe is dying inside. Your coworker, the person next to you, the person you ride with, they maybe they're dying inside and they're looking for you to tell them, hey, man, Jesus. That's all, Jesus. You don't have to tell them how ugly they are. You don't have to tell them how stupid they are voting this way or that. You just need to say, Jesus is the answer. Amen? Jesus, it says, when Jesus is preached, how can they know unless someone preaches them? You are the preacher. I know some of you call me the preacher. I'm not talking you have to get a Bible degree. You proclaim Caruso in the New Testament means to proclaim the good news. It means, hey, man, God is so good to me. I was this, but now look at God has done in my life. God can help you. God can deliver you. Amen? Obedience brings results. Number nine. Here it is. This, is. this deals with us when, sometimes when we're, when we're the, the big brother in the parable of the prodigal son. He, Jonah was displeased with the results. Verse, verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Jonah 4, 1 through 3. I mean, check this out. Jonah was greatly displeased and had become angry. And he prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, this is not what I said when I was, when I was still at home. This is not, I'm sorry, this is not what I said when I was still at home. This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Can you believe it? You're like, what's wrong with this guy? Can you, Jonah was mad that people turned from sin and they were saved. What kind of a sick person is that? You say, but wait a minute. We do the same thing today. How can God save a Democrat? How can God save a Republican? How can God save an illegal immigrant? How can God save Asians or Latinos or Persians or Iraqis? Or, or how can God save Africans or why? Do you see what I'm saying? You think, we think, man, Jonah, what's wrong with him? But we do it here. Shame on us. And you see, Jonah wanted the people to burn. Get them! Get them, God! Crispy, yes. Shame on us. When we want to see people burn. When we want to see them fail. When we want to see them get what they deserve. Aren't you glad you don't get what you deserve? What is wrong with us? Well, pastor, you don't understand. You, you don't understand my tribal background. You don't understand where I grew up. You don't understand. I've talked to you about that when I was, I was preaching to a congregation of Koreans. And God spoke to me to tell the Korean people, you need to forgive the Japanese people even though some of them weren't alive. And there were a line of people coming up crying because they did not forgive the Japanese people for what they did during World War II to the Korean people. It was horrible! But God is a forgiving God. 
And you see, some of you have racial tension with another tribe, another island, another people, another family because they did something 30 years ago, 100 years ago. And God is saying, you need to love those people because I love them. God doesn't want people to burn. He wants them to know Jesus. Amen? We once were people of the dark. We once were in darkness. Ephesians 5.8 says, You were once in darkness, but now you are in the light. And the Lord, live as children of light. Number 10. I need to move on so we can have an altar time. Sitting in the shade. Sitting in the shade. Jonah 4, 5, 3. I mean, again, he's having his pity party. He's mad at God for, for delivering these people. Jonah 4, 5 and 8 says, Jonah went down and sat at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen. I mean, he was still mad. He's like, are you going to burn him, Lord? Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, isn't God awesome? But the next day God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the, wasn't God funny? When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Can you imagine this? You do this. I do this. Oh God, why me? Why am I the only person going through this? Come on, right? Why does no one else love you like I love you? Come on, really? Why am I the only one? God, and, and so he's crying, he's having a pity party. Check this out. Jonah was so upset, he's having a pity party. Listen to this. Verse 9, Jonah 4, 9. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? Do you have a right to be angry because I'm the one that made the vine? I'm the one that provided the shade. I'm the one that blessed you. Here's the other foot coming down now, right? We get so caught up in our homes, our cars, our clothes, our vacation, the nice things that we really get mad if one of them breaks down or they're taken from us. Why, God, why? And he says, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. And we get mad. We're like, where are you, God? But yet people are going to hell. People are in a storm and we're mad because our favorite restaurant shut down. We're mad because we had to park farther away than we normally park. We're mad because something happened in the, in the air conditioner or whatever. You didn't get your latte that day. We're mad. Do we have a right to be angry about God's provision? God provided the vine for Jonah and took it away. God is a provider of everything. Amen? He has a right to give and to take away. Job understood that. Amen? We have no right to whine and complain while people are dying and going to hell. Truth hurts, doesn't it? Preaching to myself today. See, while we try to increase our goods, and there's nothing wrong with it making a good living, there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. You know I talk about that. But while we continue to do that, people are, are crying out for the mercy of God. While we're working overtime to buy more stuff, churches go in disrepair. Hint, hint. And try to stretch every dollar that gets brought in because you're busy running from the call of God. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard at your job. I'm not saying you shouldn't be educated. I'm not saying all that. I'm not saying you shouldn't go on vacation. I'm saying you should be about God's business. And Matthew 6.33 says, If you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to your life. What? All your needs. You take care of God's business, He'll take care of your business. Every time. Come on, that's good preaching. Thank you for saying that. It's every time you take care of God's business, He will take care of your business. Let me read to you now Jonah 4, 10 and 11 one more time. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from the left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about this great city? You see, he was more concerned about his comfort than he was about people. And the church in America has been preaching a blasphemous gospel, the gospel of comfort. The gospel of bless me, God, instead of saying, God, let me be a blessing. Forgive the church in America, Father, that while people are going to hell, we're wanting to be blessed all the time. God will bless you. It says in Deuteronomy 28, before the curses, it says, if you obey me, your everything will be blessed when you're serving me. Some of you are wondering, while you're having issues at home, it's because you've got to put God first. You've got to put God first in your work, your home, your school, your sports, your activities. Say, God, how can I be a light? You see, sometimes churches are more concerned about the gifts of God than we are about people knowing about God. I see that a lot in Pentecostal spiritual churches. We want the gifts of the Spirit, but we don't want to use the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? The proof of a Spirit-filled church is not only the gifts, but people coming to know Jesus. We can speak in tongues all we want. We can have words of knowledge and interpretations all we want, but if people aren't getting saved, then we are missing the boat. I want words of knowledge. I want tongues of interpretation. I want the manifestations of the Spirit, but they're not just for the church. They're for us to reach the people outside. Amen? We should be concerned about your person, your coworker who gets on your nerves. Why do they get on your nerves? Because they need Jesus. Because they're lost. Hurting people hurt people. They're hurting. You have the good news, amen? Luke 14.23 says, And the Lord called unto the servants, Go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that they may, my house may be filled. Will you stand with me, please? Are you concerned for your great city, where you live, where you go to school, where you work, this community? Are you concerned for it? Listen to what John 6.40 says. Go to the next slide. Look, look, what, the, look what this says. John 6.40 says, For my Father's will, listen, my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I will raise Him up at the last day. What's God's will? That people come to know Him. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, but as some understand slowness, He is patient with you, not, not willing anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Do you see that? God wants Democrats and Republicans, black people, white people, Asians, Latinos, island people. God wants every person to come to know Jesus. Amen? We should be concerned. Father, we want to be concerned like you're concerned. Lord, yes, you want to bless us, but you want to bless us so we can be a light, God. Forgive us for being cynical and critical. Forgive us for whining, God. Forgive us for, for wanting people to get what they deserve. Lord, you are a slow and gracious, patient, loving God, not wanting anyone to perish. Forgive us for having that attitude, God. 
You want us to reach all people, God. You want us to love all people. So, Lord, let us have the heart of God. Let us not have pity parties and feel sorry for ourselves while people are going to hell. God, we cannot sleep in the church anymore while the world is being buffeted by the storms of, of disobedience and of life. We cannot sleep anymore. Would you wake this church up? Would you wake up every church in this community, every church in this nation, every church of every nation in every island country to reach their people around them in Jesus' name? Father, would you help us? Would you help us to be more concerned about winning the lost, God? Then we are about getting more stuff. There's nothing wrong with stuff, God. But while we're getting that stuff, we can share the good news of Jesus. While we're on our walks, while we're on the metro, when we're in, a, in the library, we're at the, the coffee shop, when we're, when we're at work, God, when we're on the sports fields, we can still share the good news of Jesus Christ by being the gospel. Open our eyes, God. Forgive this church for disobeying the Great Commission. That's to go into all the world. We must go. We must go, God. So send us out to our our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our communities, our families, our friends, our neighbors, even our enemies with the good news of Jesus Christ. We must go forward, God. Remove the spirit of fear. Remove the spirit of busyness. Remove the spirit of heaviness. Remove the spirit of doubt. Your word will bring the people to know Jesus. We don't have to do it. We have to just be the vessel. We just have to speak the word. And once the gospel is preached, the gospel does its work, God. So forgive us for being fearful. Fill us with your Spirit. That's why you give the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to empower us to send the church out in the gifts of the Spirit, to see not just here, but outside. One of those gifts, Lord, is the gifts of healing, the gifts, the gifts of miracles. You do give those so people come to know Jesus, Lord. Send us out with all the gifts, Lord, to reach all people. And let us have a faith that every one of us can reach one person this year and disciple that one person. Lord, let us believe that we can go and preach the gospel in the five-mile radius of this building and then go on to the next, the ten-mile radius, God. That the gospels preached at least once to every person or every household in this community. That would be awesome, God. And it would be even more awesome, God, if we believed it and saw that all of Montgomery County comes to know Jesus Christ. All of Frederick County, all of Maryland, all of Virginia, all of D.C., all of the United States, every nation. It is possible, God. Help us to be concerned for people like you're concerned for people. Lord, when they cut in front of us in in line or in traffic, let us pray for their souls, God. Lord, when we see them being addicted or being destroyed by the enemy, let us have mercy on them and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Open our eyes to those around us who are hurting and we have the good news. And let us speak the love of God to them by our words and by our actions as well, Father God. Friends, I would be remiss if I didn't give you opportunity. Maybe this morning you're in here with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. We're gonna, I do have, one, have an altar time in a moment. But, but maybe you've heard me talk about this Jesus and you've never given your life to Jesus with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. And you want to receive this Jesus. You want to be delivered from the storm of destruction. And you want to make Jesus to save your life. The Bible says whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've never accepted Jesus with your, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, would you just quickly raise your hand and say, that's me, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Father, thank you. that So I believe everyone in this room is, is, is saved. If not, the Bible is very clear. If we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. Help us now. Help us to be your light. Now here's the last thing, friends. I want you, if, if you want to hear from the Lord, if you, you want to say, you know, I want to receive the Father's heart, I want you to come to the front. I want to receive the Father's heart. 
I've been cynical. I've been critical. I haven't been as loving to my neighbors or my co Just come to the front and say, I want the heart of the Father. Come on. I want you to come to the front and say, I want the heart of the Father. I want to care for people like God cares for people. I want to care for Democrats, Republicans, white people, black people, Asians, Latinos. I want to care for people. Maybe we've, our families have had a, a, a fight. Maybe we've had tribal issues. I want to have the heart of the Father, and I want to care for those people like the Father does. So I want you to come to the front and say, I want to have the heart of the Father. I want you to come to the front. Maybe, maybe you are, 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 maybe you are, are dealing with um, a person who, who, who just, they're in a storm and you want to preach the good news to them. Would you come to the front? Please come to the front. Please come to the front. I, I want to help my friend that's in a storm right now. Maybe you're, you're living in darkness. Maybe you're in, a, you're in the, the belly of a fish and you're oppressed and you need to be removed from that. You want God to deliver you. Would you come to the front? Come on. If I want the Father's heart. I want my, to help my friend be delivered from the storm. I want to be delivered from this darkness and oppression. Maybe you've been more concerned about your own business than the Father's house and His business. And you want to come say, God, I want to be concerned about your business as well. Come to the front. Come on, come to the front. And then finally, you say, you know what? I want God's empowerment to reach that one person that God's calling me to reach. I want God to tell me who it is and I want to preach the good news by my words and by actions. Come to the front. Say, I want God's empowering so I can reach that one person. It might be a coworker, It might be a neighbor. It might be a friend. It might be, might be someone in your family. Come on. You say, I want, I want to receive the Father's heart. I don't have an attitude. I don't want to have an attitude towards the lost anymore. I want to help someone be delivered from the storm. Maybe you need to be delivered from a storm. Maybe you need to be, have darkness and oppression. Come to the front. You want to have the right attitude. You want to be concerned about the Father's business, not only your business. And then you want God to help you, to empower you, to reach your family and your friends. Father, we want to be concerned about this great city, this area we live in. We want to be concerned about our co-workers, our neighbors, our families, our friends, our enemies, that they would come to know Jesus today. Father, we're calling on you. We're calling on you, Lord Jesus. We're calling on you, Jesus. Father, we don't want to whine. We don't want to complain. You've blessed us so much. And Lord, let us focus on other people as well. We want to reach our families, our friends. We want to be concerned about your business. Your business is our business. And when we put that right, you'll bless everything else, God. Bless us for being obedient, God. Help us to reach our neighbors. Help us to have the right attitude. Forgive us if we've had an attitude that wants judgment upon people. Forgive us for being angry at other people. We want to share the good news. Lord, help us Deliver us from the darkness, God. If we're in the darkness, we're in the cave, we're in the belly of the fist, would you deliver us from this right now? We're calling on you. Maybe we need to be thankful, God. Help us, God, to have the right attitude. Help us to be concerned about your business. And I mean it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Help us to each one reach one person this year and make a disciple of them. And they in turn will make another disciple, God. Help us to be about your business, God. We love you, Lord. We worship you. And then, God, let us believe big enough. Let us be believe big enough that we will see all of Montgomery County come to know Jesus. All of Maryland. All of Virginia. All of this D.C. metro area. The five million people can name the name of the Lord. Why not, God?
We can do it through you. Unite the churches. Unite believers, God. Unite us for the common purpose of being the light of God. So, Lord, whatever is impossible with man is not impossible for God. For nothing is impossible for God. We bless you, Lord.